and welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. You can find all of my written reviews stemming all the way back to 1996 there. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R. I know it's been a while since I've actually posted a review here on the Quipster Film Review Podcast. For those of you wondering, well, things have been incredibly busy for me, and I've had to make a few sacrifices here and there. I do want to mention, though, that I'm very diligent in trying to crank out a weekly podcast. I have a second podcast for those of you who are interested in older films, films of the 80s, actually. It's called Around the World in 80s Movies. I do encourage you, if you are interested in those podcasts, to check out that. You can do a search for Around the World in 80s Movies anywhere you're listening to this podcast and find it. So far, I've reviewed all of the original Star Wars trilogy, some fantasy films like Labyrinth, Lady Hawk, and The Princess Bride, and now we're getting into a little bit more sci-fi comedies like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and my next review will be Inner Space. So I do encourage you to join me on that journey through the films of the 1980s, really the films of my childhood, and I'm really excited to talk about that, so I hope you'll join me there. In addition to the podcast here, though, I do encourage you to also listen to the In Session Film Podcast. I join J.D. and Brendan on the extra film segments of that show. Those are new film reviews that I normally would be doing here, but I do them on In Session. There's no need for me to do the same reviews twice. But I'm going to try to be a little bit more diligent as we get into the new year with this particular podcast. Maybe I'll do a review a week if time allows, and we'll get back to a normal schedule. And I'm sorry for being a little bit negligent of late. Today I'm going to talk about our film that is just out in theaters. It's called Darkest Hour. I actually saw it a few weeks ago, but I'm just getting to the review. This is how busy my life has been. It's a war film. It's a drama, primarily. It is PG-13 rated for some thematic material. The main star is Gary Oldman, and it also features supporting roles for Lily James, Kristen Scott Thomas, Ben Mendelsohn, Ronald Pickup, Stephen Delane, and Samuel West. Joe Wright is the director. Andrew McCartan is the screenwriter. So those of you who've seen the trailers or some of the commercials on TV or even just watched Prognostication for Oscars know that this is a big movie for Gary Oldman because he is touted as somebody who may be getting, finally, his first Oscar. And as far as the film goes, it's a Winston Churchill biopic. Now, Gary Oldman does not necessarily look like Winston Churchill, but if you go and do a search for Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill and see the makeup job done in this film. It is phenomenal. You wouldn't even recognize Gary Oldman anymore. It looks very realistic as you watch this film. As far as what the movie's about, it's set in May of 1940. There we see a very anxious United Kingdom, worried about the impending rise of Nazi Germany, under the command, of course, of Adolf Hitler. Out goes Neville Chamberlain. He's a prime minister who's seen as adequate in times of peace, However, he's inept in terms of how to handle severe conflict, especially with the Nazis. He seems to be an appeaser. And so the search is on for a replacement with the kind of leadership skills and the the savvy to get England through this toughest of challenges yet, as the Nazis seem pretty likely to continue their current role in domination of Western Europe. There's this debate, there's this division among the British politicians in whether to choose to mount a war and potentially suffer severely in defeat against Germany, or perhaps to come to terms through peace talks with Germany that would sacrifice their freedom in exchange for a more favorable position under their rule. Receiving a lot of pressure to appease, 
There's this hawkish new prime minister that's been chosen, Winston Churchill. He has to navigate a lot of deadly waters in trying to lead the British Empire's survival in their darkest hour, hence the title. So Gary Oldman, of course, as I mentioned, is the main attraction in Darkest Hour. This is a, a biopic. It covers a one-month period in the rise and some of the early tenure of Winston Churchill as the Prime Minister of England. Oldman is the best thing in this film, by far, and without his energy, without his occasional bombast, this would be just a handsomely mounted recreation of World War II history that's been covered in films before a number of times, especially in recent years. There's another case of showcasing the Battle of Dunkirk that's been done twice in 2017, including the propaganda at home in their finest and the battle in the air and the sea with Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, most notably. And also, I just want to give more attention to the use of makeup and hair in this movie. Very convincing methods to make Gary Oldman look as much like Winston Churchill as possible without that kind of uncanny valley experience that so often occurs when you're applying a fat suit and artificial prosthetics to give an actor who's younger and smaller in frame the kind of heft and the weathering necessary to look beyond the character's appearance and accept him for being the actual man himself. If there's a character actor who can sell it, I'd say certainly Oldman does here, and he often impresses with his ability to connect to the material, even in films that are otherwise lackluster. He's usually the best thing in a lot of movies. Now, surrounding Gary Oldman are a fine group of actors. You got Kristen Scott Thomas as his no-nonsense wife Clementine. Lily James gets a sizable supporting role as his hardworking secretary, Elizabeth Layton. Now, both of those roles were beefed up in order to give good screen time to strong actresses of their caliber. Ben Mendelsohn is a film lover's favorite. He's also a welcome presence as King George VI. And that's going to draw some contrast to the Oscar-winning portrayal of King George, as uh, Colin Firth did in The King's Speech not long ago. That was an Oscar win for him. Veteran actors like Ronald Pickup, who's playing the replaced Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain. The service has been seen as better suited for times of peace than war, but he's still shown as somebody being very influential in politics at the time. Stephen Delane as Viscount Halifax. Neither of these actors should be overlooked for their contributions. They do provide formidable counterparts that ups the intrigue of the political machinations and would see the fall of Winston Churchill from public service almost as soon as he had begun the process if their schemes work out. Although this is based on historical accounts, actual speeches, Darkest Hour does shore up the drama in order to make for a more gripping yarn there's this 11th hour ride on the tube in order to get to word on the street that might guide Winston Churchill to make a decision to stick to his guns in confronting Germany or perhaps to acquiesce in order to avoid being bombed out of existence. Now, contrivances do creep into the screenplay from time to time, but I do think that the actors do a great job in selling those indulgences. And those moments add a lot of flavor, much needed contrast to the kind of inner chamber politics that could have made for a much more dry viewing experience. When you're looking for something more emotional, less wordy to connect to the Winston Churchill story, I do think that those provide an easy avenue for people to be able to get invested in the plight of Winston Churchill and what he's undergoing and what it meant to the nation as a whole in this very, very critical time in history. In the end, I do think that The Darkest Hour is intelligent. It's a thoughtful film about leadership, about strength in the face of overwhelming odds, and how having the right person at the right time can make all of the difference 
in the fate of millions of people, especially in the power of well-placed and delivered words to inspire action. It truly is a beautiful film to look at, regardless of the thematic material here. Performances are certainly admirable, and you couple that with a lush and beautiful score by Dario Marianelli, and it's able to overcome some of the flaws, like its adherence to a tried-and-true formula. Darkest Hour could have been just another well-presented prestige vehicle constructed to garner awards consideration more so than to challenge or inspire as an exceptional piece of art, but I do think that it's worth watching, especially for the Gary Oldman performance, and Joe Wright's direction is very, very good with this material. I'm glad to see him return to form after the very dismal experience of watching Pan. Maybe he should just stick to historical dramas because he does it really well. So I'm giving Darkest Hour three and a half stars out of four. Three and a half stars on my scale means I do think it's a good movie. I do think it's worth going out of your way to see if you're an Oldman fan, if you're a fan of World War II films, or if you just want to catch what's likely going to garner at least one, perhaps a few other Academy Award nominations come February. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review. I'd like to thank you so much for joining me on the Quipster Film Review Podcast. I encourage you to check out Around the World in 80s Movies, the In Session Film Podcast, and also on my website, quipster.net, if you want to catch more of my reviews. Until next time, please enjoy your time, anytime you get to go to the movies. 